This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 91 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, July 18th, 2021. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we discuss the fall lineup as it continues to crowd despite recently announced delays by Ubisoft. Xbox has had a monster month in June, with MPD charts reflecting favorably on the future of the Series S and X consoles. And lastly, we'll answer listener questions on the Steam Deck's impact to the handheld gaming industry. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as it pertains to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to Big Fat Eli 13, Big ES13 over on Twitter. Uh, Eli, that name gets me every time, but I appreciate you writing in with questions and responses here on Twitter. And it's really cool when I get to, to put out something into the the gaming universe and, and see responses back. And so you made my gaming week better. And I wanted to thank you for that. It is so appreciated when, when you can talk about games with people uh, in the gaming verse, friends, acquaintances, and, and people with other analytical views uh, and, and get responses. And it's really, really cool, man. So I appreciate that. You made my gaming week better. Cheers to you, mate. Have a wonderful week and I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's get to it. Well, first up on the docket this week is Ubisoft news. They managed to make the docket by way of some delays. And just prior to recording this episode, they dropped a tweet with some interesting information there. Uh, Let's go with that tweet first, and then we'll get to the more substantial and concrete news. At the time of this recording, it's been about an hour or so since the Ubisoft Twitter handle tweeted out this exact statement, quote, Tomorrow, things are going to get wild. Tune in at 11 a.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. CEST, I don't know which one that is, for the worldwide reveal of a brand new game in the Tom Clancy universe. End quote. Oh my goodness, could this be the fabled Splinter Cell? Probably not. Mix.feelings slash mobile question mark was the tweet that I put out in response to that. I am... Done getting super excited for a new Splinter Cell game. I'm curious just as to what this Ubisoft title is in the Tom Clancy universe. Uh, They just recently had a Ubisoft Forward, so it seems very odd to me that they would have a new AAA Tom Clancy game ready to go now, less than a month out or so. That, That would surprise me. That would surprise me. That said, I've certainly been surprised before, and the information of the delays coming up in just a moment, um really has odd timing with that Ubisoft Ford as well. If indeed this is a big AAA title, a new Ghost Recon or Splinter Cell, you have to wonder why they wouldn't just delay the Ubisoft Ford uh, and remove some of the padding they had in that that direct, as it were, um, that had so much Rainbow Six content, right? Like they could have streamlined it a little bit and had some bigger upticks in terms of announcement. That said, by the time many of you are listening to this episode, you'll know what it is that was in this Ubisoft 
uh, announcement, whether or not it was a new mobile game, whether it was a game featuring Sam Fisher, which is all the the the, the hoopla and meme verse at this point. For my money, uh, two things could make me very happy. A new Splinter Cell, of course, uh, and then a new Ghost Recon game with the caveat that I absolutely loved Ghost Recon Wildlands. I absolutely loved Future Soldier and Graw 1 and 2. Really love those Ghost Recon games. If it captures that feeling of those games, I'm all in for it. Uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint, uh, my understanding is, is that it's gotten a lot better since launch, and I really do want to go back. I just can't seem to convince my crew, Kevin, uh, Suddy, Charles and, and Joe to, to go over to Breakpoint, but um, I would play that again. When I played it at first at launch, it was broken mess. It was a broken mess, and that's a darn shame because the Ghost Recon formula is one I like a lot more than, say, Assassin's Creed or Far Cry in terms of like the clearing bases. Like I like going in tactical shooter style. Um, I even did that Far Cry 3. My goal was to always use a silent sniper rifle or a bow and try and clear things really stealthily, and I got to do that in Ghost Recon Wildlands a lot. Uh, as well breakpoint a little too live servicey and it launched in a broken state so that's kind of a bummer so you know splinter cell or a, a graw or ghost recon style game i'd be excited for uh, i just have questions about the timing which leads me to the the bigger point with these ubisoft delays uh if you're unaware ubisoft has again announced delays to Rainbow Six Extraction and Riders Republic also. Uh, Rainbow Six Extraction, of course, was previously named Quarantine. That's been delayed 118 times at this point. Um, they've now moved that to January 2022 away from, I want to say it was an October-ish release, or maybe it was just a fall release. I don't know if they'd locked down a time for Extraction. Um, nonetheless, that's been moved to January 2022, and Riders Republic has been moved from September 2nd uh, into October 28th, which is interesting because, as I said, both of these games have gone through a bajillion delays at this point. Uh, quarantine slash extraction. I I'm surprised that game is doing what it's doing, but I have to wonder if the extraction delay is more response to its showing at the Ubisoft Ford a month or so ago because while what we saw looked good and even those who got hands-on with it said it was a surprisingly balanced Left 4 Dead style game uh, my impression was that, was that it was very uninspired in fact it echoed so much of Gears of War Hivebusters that it looked like people had played this game before uh, by way of Left 4 Dead or Hivebusters proper or anything like that um, and it seemed like there was a rather lukewarm reception to Extraction, which is not what you want with a new flagship title in the Rainbow Six series, right? Um, of course, you've, you've got Siege, which is out there rocking it and crushing it, but there was so much Rainbow Six content in that in that Ubisoft 4 that I have to think they were really counting on that to uptick views and excitement, and it just didn't do that. So uh, they're, they're delaying it, as it were. Um, they did release a quote to go with it. They said uh, in separate posts about extraction, they were going to, quote, take additional time to bring the vision to life, end quote. Uh, and I have to think that it's really a matter of refinement at this point, but also getting out of a really crowded fall window. There is a lot coming out this fall, um, especially in that particular genre that extraction would fill, that kind of co-op shooter. Uh, off top of my head, you've got Back for Blood, Aliens Fireteam, the Anacrusis, uh, and then you on top of games that are already out, you know, like uh, I want to think, I think it's Earthfall and Second Extinction and a few others that I'm sure are out there. Um, but that's a crowded genre and a crowded window of time when you've got other games that are releasing throughout the year. So uh, the extraction delay is probably a wise one. It just, it's just at this point, like it falls flat no matter how you look at it. It's been delayed so many times, it's not a lot happening. Um, 
the Writers Republic one, that to me sounds like a, a move for refinement and making sure that it gets into the window they want it to be. Uh, if they're going into October 28th, that gives it a little bit of time ahead of a, a Black Friday, but uh, there's not really anything in a genre truly competing with it. So I'm curious just how that does. They want to get it out, get the early adopters, and then go on sale. Perhaps that's what Ubisoft games tend to do anyway. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, most Ubisoft games, though, have a really long lifespan. Like they're, The tails burn pretty long uh, in terms of sales. And, and cheers to them, right? Like, honestly, there's, there's a reason they sell, and, and they're good. Um, with all the delays for Ubisoft titles, it could raise a red flag in your mind. If, you, if you're not tracking what I'm thinking here, think about Watch Dogs Legion, Far Cry 6, Skull and Bones, and Immortals. All of those have been delayed. Even that Avatar game that we all forgot have been delayed. And Ubisoft games seem to systematically get delayed. And, and I, I was asked at one point um, offhand whether or not I thought that was a big deal. And I don't think it's a problem necessarily with Ubisoft's development, right? Like they've got a lot of issues internally with... Uh, harassment and, and issues of, of leadership. And I think that's per perfectly in doubt. But as far as development, I don't think it's a problem on that front so much as the problem is unrealistic expectations for developers by that management uh, or by investors for what it is they want while they consistently change their vision. Ubisoft is a friend, is a company that will, uh, they'll chase the money no matter what. And I don't mean that to sound uh, provocative or, or like, duh, obviously they would chase money, but They've consistently said and shown that if people are willing to buy it, they're going to make it right. For God's sakes, they'll release games on the Wii U at launch. They will. They're famous for saying, you know, if people keep buying Assassin's Creed, we're going to keep making them right. Uh, almost at one point annually, almost they, they've backed off of that a little bit, switched to a bit more of a live service thing. And they, they chase the trends. And there's nothing wrong with that if they're they're doing right by their fans and by their developers. These consistent delay, delays, though, make me feel like they are putting undue stress on. Uh, developers or or and or I should say, uh, perhaps just misleading investors and executives for, for what their visions truly are. So uh, I, I have a lot of questions about just what goes on there. Um, you know, fall is a weird one right now, because there are so many games that we know are coming out uh, a lot with with release dates. And, and I know people think of August as the end of summer. Um, I tend to lump that in with fall just because of my work schedule. But you know, these are some dates that I, I locked out for what we know about starting in August through the end of the year. You got Lemnus Gate, Hades, 12 Minutes, Aliens, Fireteam, Psychonauts 2, War for Wakanda, Diablo 2, Far Cry 6, Back for Blood, Battlefield 2042, Guardians of the Galaxy, Forza 5, and Dying Light 2, all with established release dates. And then you've got the, the uh, question mark titles of Halo Infinite, Call of Duty, and Crossfire X that fill the shooter genre as well. Uh, none of that counts. Some of the great indies that are coming out that I didn't list, some of the sports games like Madden and FIFA that are going to be in there. I mean, it's a crowded holiday. So uh, I think it makes sense for, for Extraction to get out of the way of some of that stuff. All eyes are going to be on Halo. Eyes are consistently on Call of Duty, pre-established games like Fortnite and Destiny. I don't know how Crossfire X survives. They came out and tweeted this last year that they're going to be in uh, in fall, or, or sorry, a 2021 release. They're they locked down on that one, and I've got a lot of questions about that because Smilegate's working on that multiplayer, and Remedy's working on that single player, and I really liked the demo that I played. A lot of spawn issues and stuff, but like shooting-wise, mechanics, I liked it. Um, I think it missed, missed its window of relevance because my attention will be on Halo Infinite uh, and Forza and some of these other titles that are releasing. 
I don't know how Crossfire X fits in there. I don't know how Rainbow Six Extraction would have fit in there. I'm glad they delayed. Um, there's something special about that early January, February, March window. That's where a lot of big games need to be with regularity. So hoping more games do that. Uh, free up that holiday. That holiday rush is is over. I don't think we need that uh, anymore in the same sense, right? Like Black Friday. <sighs> Who goes out for Black Friday anymore? I mean, maybe maybe some of you guys do. And if you do, tell me. But like, I could not care less about Black Friday. I do most things digital. I'll order online. I'm not fighting people for six bucks off a t-shirt. I mean, that's not how I'm rolling uh, at this point. I don't know. Maybe. Well, let's uh, let's shift to our next topic. The Xbox brand enjoyed its biggest June NPD month in dollar sales, dating all the way back to 2001, breaking its previous record in 2001, I should say. Um, biggest biggest June ever in Xbox brand history. That's the headline that it should be. Biggest June ever in Xbox brand history for dollars uh, dollar sales. It Xbox Series S and X combined uh, were the number one platform in the United States for the month of June in dollar sales. Uh, that is not necessarily units. Let's be clear about that. They mean That means they made more dollar sale amounts than Switch and PlayStation 5 and PlayStation 4 and Xbox One uh, for sure. That said, Switch led in units sold, which you can expect, I think, for a lot of reasons. But in terms of dollars made, Series S and X took the cake for NPD in June. And that is impressive and exciting, I think, for the future of Xbox. There will always be comparisons to the incredible... Uh, launch of PlayStation 4 to the Wii to the Switch uh, to the Xbox 360 some of those heavy hitter consoles from the days of yore uh, compared to current gen stuff and PlayStation 5 has had two months in which they had the, the biggest dollar amount since their launch and Switch teams to take the cake pretty systematically what's interesting about this is they made the most money in dollar sales. They had this monster launch. They've been having monster months, Xbox has, uh, since they've launched the Xbox Series S and X, just like PlayStation 5 has. Uh, but they sell out units. So it really is a matter of if they can get units made, they're selling them. And that's kind of cool. I think that's really exciting because the Xbox brand has suffered so much in years of yore that uh, to get these wins back to back and this excitement that's going around uh, Game Pass and day and date launches and third party uh, gaps being filled. I know we talked about it with Jeff last week uh, about different things. It's really cool to see them doing so well on the NPD charts uh, in terms of, of dollars made and, and units being consistently sold. That's an excitement point. I think the Xbox community has been desperate for wins in that particular category. They've been getting them in the social spaces. They've been getting them in the NPD sales for, for games sold. Sea of Thieves and Forza continue to just go astronomically in the Steam sales and NPD numbers. Um, but not in exclusive games and not in hardware, uh, despite selling out hardware. So you know, there's all these caveats. The data can sometimes lie to you by accident. You got to be really careful with how you examine them. Examine them. But GamesIndustry.biz and Benji Sales have both done fantastic efforts in breaking these down. And I encourage you to check out Benji Sales on Twitter because uh, he's always very objective in his viewpoints. And then GamesIndustry.biz tends to just give very factual information without any slants one way or another. And I always appreciate that stuff. Because um, it's difficult to not have bias when you're writing. I think almost every writer has bias on some level. Um, interesting also, in those NPD charts, uh, Sea of Thieves climbed up a ranking from, I, I want to say it was like 31 in units sold, not counting digital sales, up to 20 thanks to that Pirates of the Caribbean drop, which I know we had Captain Logan and uh, Chris Johnston on the show a couple weeks ago. 
I mean, that Sea of Thieves content with Pirates of the Caribbean, I finished the story, the game, and the world. It's it's just incredible, it's, guys. It's just incredible. If you're a diehard Sea of Thieves fan, there's so much good stuff to have there. If you are a casual Sea of Thieves fan, it's going to get you in. It's really cool. And if you're a Pirates of the Caribbean fan, there is so much love poured into this. It's a, it's quite literally a match made in heaven. I absolutely adore it. Um, I have not played enough Sea of Thieves in the last like two weeks or so. We did all the Pirates content. Um, which was many hours worth of story, which is awesome. Um, but it's tough to sometimes see if these can be daunting because you have to sit down for two, two and a half hours to get a good, good sail in with a full like four person crew. Um, and my crew has been in a Halo 5 kick of late, a uh, Halo 5 kick, which has been dope. Um, so, you know, I, I want to go back. I love Sea of these, but it also requires a lot of focus too. Uh, but cheers to it. That's that's really, really cool. Um, as far as the MPD sales numbers and stuff, these things do matter in terms of headlines and brand momentum. I think Xbox's brand momentum is picking up and it's it's faster and higher than it's ever been before, which is wild when you think about the Xbox 360. But also, it feels that much more incredible given how rough the Xbox One uh, generation was. Um, I have to think, I have to think that once those exclusive games hit from Xbox Game Studios proper, it's just going to skyrocket. Because if they're climbing these number charts uh, so consistently, if the Game Pass subscriber count's already above 25 million, as we know it to be, uh, and, and they're doing all this without their exclusive Xbox Game Studio titles, uh, it's just going to go nuts. I, for one, am very encouraged by what I see for Halo Infinite, which is really going to get the first-party stuff rolling. you got Forza Horizon 5, and Halo Infinite to just just rock it, and then from then on, it's it's just go go go. Um, man, these games look incredible, and uh, it's nice to see a win for the for the Xbox game community for sure. Uh, all the while, PlayStation doing quite well, Switch doing quite well. It feels like the wins are not byproduct of others losing, which is really cool. So cheers to that. Cheers to good gaming. Uh, we got a lot to talk about with this upcoming title, uh, upcoming uh, topic with the the. Valve Steam Deck and how it hits the Xbox ecosystem. Let's get to it. Valve has announced a new handheld peripheral, the Valve Steam Deck, and man oh man, has it lit people ablaze in the discussion boards and the topics to debate here and there. I, for one, have had a good old time checking out just what's happening uh, in this realm. Essentially, what you've got is a device from made by Valve that will play Steam games. It's a PC, it's a portable PC that looks almost exactly like a Nintendo Switch, save for a few button placement options uh, and, and kind of like those Valve trackpads here and there. And they announced this new peripheral, peripheral on the same date that the Nintendo Switch OLED models went on, up for pre-order, which was really interesting. A lot of people got really excited about it. Uh, and it impacts the Xbox ecosystem in a very unique and interesting way. Because it is a portable PC, it has the ability to play PC games and you can install different operating systems on it, which would mean that Game Pass for PC is available on it as well. And I find that really, really interesting. Uh, it doesn't have an OLED screen and it's a seven inch screen and people are arguing about this, that and the other about, about the quality of the, the build. And I find it hilarious um, because it's not my interest point, mind you. I, it's, I'm just, I don't know who this is really for, like who's going to be playing PC games on the go with a a unit that's just a little bit too big to be portable 
And I had some wonderful people write in with different questions and thoughts uh, to help kind of talk me through what I didn't understand about it. And uh, it was neat because my buddy, the winter gamer was like, well, I don't play on a TV very often, even when I'm at home because, you know, family stuff going on. There were some money a- uh, aspects to it, uh, which were neat. And I, I, I'm just so mixed on this. I love the idea that you can play uh, Xbox Game Pass on a portable device. But you can do that via xCloud. And the argument against that, the caveat to that is, though xCloud has latency stuff, whereas this Steam Deck would not have latency. I totally hear and recognize and respect that argument. But I think xCloud is progressing at a rate that that will not be an issue necessarily uh, for, for much longer, right? Like people are already playing. I put out a call on Twitter asking who plays xCloud via touch controls. And so many people wrote in on Twitter and said, you know, I play this game, that game, games like Octopath Traveler, which is a little more slower pace, all the way up to, you know, using remote play for games like Cyberpunk, which was surprising and impressive and and neat. But there is an ability to play Xbox Game Pass on mobile devices already by way of Backbones or uh, Razer Kishis or literally just on your tablet with Bluetoothing a controller, which is what I do often. Uh, if I do want to take advantage of xCloud, which is not often while we've been kind of in shelter in place over the last year or so, um, less so. But let's get to some of these questions about the Steam Deck, because it's really not about the Steam Deck, this topic, so much as how it impacts Xbox. Um, Let's see. Todd Oxtra, my good buddy, wrote in. He was one of the people I had a good old healthy debate with on, on the Twitterverse. Always love Todd. He says, with excitement about Steam Deck and its potential to have Xbox Game Pass for PC... Uh, or an Xbox Game Pass app from Steam on it, could we see a partnership with Valve? This creates another way to play, especially around road trips where internet may be spotty or subpar with game streaming. Uh, great question, Todd. And it actually uh, speaks directly to my comments about xCloud being uh, the, the way of the future and why you don't necessarily need need this. As to your question about whether or not we could see a partnership with Valve, yes, absolutely. I think you can see that Xbox is adamant to get into the PC space to hit as many screens as possible. And working with Valve and Valve and Steam uh, is a great way to do that. And I would cite things like having official uh, Xbox PC mobile type stuff, like working with Razer to get the Kishi out there for mobile things, uh, working to get their first party titles onto Steam, where we see Forza and Sea of Thieves and the Master Chief Collection uh month after month chart in the top 10. Uh, Yes, you can absolutely see a partnership there. We know that Gabe Newell has alluded to partnerships with Microsoft in the past. Microsoft, of course, uh, a PC company in its own right in many ways. Um, Yes, I certainly think you can see a partnership going forward. I wonder how how, uh, some of these games will function with the memory that exists on these Steam Deck. A lot of people are citing that seven inch screen and it not being OLED and whatnot. Um, I find that that to be a shoddy argument in terms of like screen quality, because historically the the portables of the time that had the best screens died. You know, I'm thinking about the Vita and a couple other like forgettable ones that, that died out. The Nomad, the Game Gear, you know, weaker quality stuff doesn't tend to mean that you're going to die as a handheld. My question about about just how portable this is has to do with size and your ability to like put it in your pocket and whatnot. That's why the Switch uh, had a Switch Lite version. And. While I think the OLED model is really a letdown for a lot of Switch owners, forgetting to solve a lot of issues with like Joy-Con drift and and higher processing rates for the original Switch model, it's uh, something that that the Nintendo fans don't seem to mind, right? Well, it's a very underpowered unit running on hardware from 2011 and playing a lot of remasters. 
So this this Steam Deck with its ability to play the latest modern games and it being more powerful and everything else, I don't know that that's a recipe for success in the handheld market. I just don't see it that way. I'm curious, but to the question of whether or not uh, Microsoft would work with Valve, absolutely. They've shown an inclination to work with anybody that is willing to work with them to get their games out there. So, so cheers to them for that. Um, Captain Logan asked whether or not this is a better alternative to using a Backbone, uh, and then I'm substituting in the Razer Kishi as well. Uh, a better alternative, Logan? I think yes. In, in many cases, yes. Uh, for the hardcore fans, people that were, were adamant to pre-order for the pre-order crowd, yes, absolutely. It's a better alternative. For the people that are casually, no, not at all. My my very casual poll um, had really high, high engagement on Twitter asking people who plays with, with xCloud. And so many people said yes that... I was I was taken aback. So many people said yes to even playing with touch controls that I was taken aback. People are able to play Xbox games already successfully and comfortably on their mobile devices. I don't know what the incentive is to spend $400, $500, $600 accordingly to have a, a mobile 7-inch experience of a game that you can play on X, Xbox or, or PlayStation for the PC spot. You know, like I don't know that that's an incentive outside of the people that are already pre-ordering. Like, will the little kid go ask his mom for a Steam Deck or for a Switch OLED or Switch Pro or whatever that? I think they're more likely to ask for the Switch type thing in, in that realm. I don't know who this is for outside of the very first wave adopters, but after that, I don't see it having long legs. Caveat, of course, because I, I try, I'm trying to play both sides of this discussion, if you guys can't tell that. Um, you know, the second iteration, if it makes it to a second iteration, Sure. Valve has a really mixed record in terms of hardware. They put out some really garbage Steam Link type stuff and some really impressive uh, index hardware. So I don't know, like maybe, maybe for me, it doesn't move the needle. I, I'll say that mobile gaming doesn't move the needle for me when I have the ability to, to do xCloud and I'm not a mobile gamer at heart anyway. In fact, when I was playing my Switch every day, uh, which was a lot in that first year, really was, I was playing docked. I was playing docked. I did not enjoy mobile like just carrying it around. I did not enjoy the comfort levels. I found the Joy-Cons to be really cramped and uh, not for me. So, you know, like my Switch is collecting dust, but I've played Xbox games on mobile. And I just don't see, I don't I don't know that I see the future of, of a portable system like this in its iteration, but a streamlined version down the line as the components get smaller and the screens can get better. Maybe so, maybe so. Um, you also asked Captain Logan, if Xbox was looking to provide services, what do you want from an Xbox handheld? A great question. Um, the ability, they're kind of doing it with xCloud uh, in a way that I wouldn't have been able to answer this question a while back. Basically, I want a console experience mobile. That's what I want. Um, the caveat being, I want single player experiences eased access, right? A lot of my favorite games are are single player based and I want to be able to experience it, but do I really want to play the next Batman game mobile? No. Do I want to jump in and get a few things done like side quests? Sure. So, you know, quick resume in a handheld space via xCloud. Yeah, I'm down with that. Um, but that, but I really don't think they need, I really don't think they need uh, a handheld. I don't think they need it anymore. I, a few years ago, I'd have said yes. And I know Danny Pena talked about how they were making one, but now I think xCloud streaming is just the future. Uh, and it's a matter of patience. It's a matter of patience. So we'll see just when that fidelity and the latency kind of gets cleaned up a bit. Um, Famous Seamus, you also asked about my thoughts on the Steam Deck. I think I answered them as well. I, again, I always appreciate uh, you writing in each week. 
Uh, let's see. As far as Steam Deck, I think that's going to wrap that particular topic. And without transition, I'll just go ahead and, and let you guys also know that um, I'm still continuing my playthrough of Doom Eternal's DLC. Good lord, I'm on Ancient Gods Part 2, and that, that is relentless and awesome. I'm loving playing that. Absolutely loving playing that. It is just nuts. Uh, I watched Space Jam recently, the new one with LeBron, and it is as good as the first one. Um, they're both really bad movies and really fun when you watch them, like, like if you watch them, bad acting, silly premise, that kind of thing, but they're not for us. And I've seen a lot of people really going after the plot lines and the holes and it. it's like, shut up. Like these are for cameos and good times. And I feel like space jam did just that having a good old time with it. Um, continuing to play halo five, uh, not enough sea of thieves having a good old time playing uh, blaster master zero since that launched onto Xbox. I want to get blaster master zero two, whatever the sequel is to that one. Um, I want to get that as well. I like those those kind of like little indie games. Uh, and I'm working on some interviews for you guys coming up. I've sent out a, a slew of interview requests. Some of them denied. Some of them, hey, can we delay till X date or X, uh, X time so that their games can release or so that we can have a certain talk or, or if, if it's a uh, industry professional so that their schedules kind of free up a little bit. Um, I always appreciate this is a quick note. I always appreciate the suggestions that people make when they write in, hey, Luke, can you check out this creator or this developer this studio um and every time you guys sent them there is not one time have i been uh messaged by a listener that says hey can you check this one out that i haven't reached out to that developer and a lot of the ones that you guys get on the show are from your suggestions so i appreciate that um sometimes they say no and that is absolutely fine but uh cheers to keep bringing in those suggestions i've sent out a few more um this morning actually at the time of this recording and we'll see if we can't hear back there's some people i want to talk to uh and i'm looking forward to talk to in the fall as well uh, I've also had some good show ideas that uh, Charles uh, Jones wrote in and asked if we could do an XEP retro episode where we talked about, you know, games that we want remastered or remade. Um, he brought up Gauntlet Legends, which I lost my mind at. Like, that's exactly what I would want. We went and played uh, Fireteam Raven, Halo Fireteam Raven at a Dave and Buster's recently. And we also played Rampage. First of all, Fireteam Raven. I mean, I've, I've raved about it before. It's such a good arcade game, a great Halo game uh, as well. But also, we played Rampage, which, based on the movie, it's just the old Rampage games. That game is so fun, Rampage. I want a remake of that so badly. But an episode basically dedicated to retro games that we want back, I would love that. And so I've reached out to uh, a content group that I think would be great to have on as guests to talk about that. And if their schedules allow or if they have interest, we'll, we'll, we'll rock that. And if not, um, we'll find a way to get a good episode on that one. But I love the, the the reason I'm talking about all this is I love the suggestions that you guys make. I appreciate that. When you do a solo show, uh, it can be tough to keep coming up with ideas. And I've had a really good string of just lots of guest hosts come in. But that's not sustainable with my work schedule when that goes back in the fall. Uh, and then interview times. Like it's just a lot of, of kind of finding schedule times to meet. And once summer ends, I'm worried that that'll kind of die down a bit. So I want to make sure I'm uh, getting the stuff that you guys want as well as the stuff that I want so that we can continue kind of just enjoying XEP uh, in the right ways. And, and, I, and I appreciate you guys uh, working with me on that. Uh, let's just go straight into it. I was going to do an, uh, a transition here, but let's not. Let's just keep going with a few more questions here. Um, we have Mr. Fuzzy Belvedere from the Shop Podcast, who I, uh, I love that show. It's a great show. Uh, he says, should Nintendo release a Switch Pro sooner than originally planned with the assumption being uh holiday 2022 or 2023 should nintendo have a switch pro sooner man fuzzy real talk i don't know what the heck nintendo's doing like i really don't man um and i'm not trying to dunk on nintendo i think if you listen to cast co-op you've heard pretty candid topics about 
my thoughts or candid uh, thoughts on just what Nintendo's doing and not doing well. And Nintendo's not for me anymore, man. It sucks because I loved Nintendo for a long time, but they have refused to evolve uh, in any way, shape, or form. And that is okay. I think a lot of people mix that up. I am really disappointed with Nintendo, but I'm disappointed with Nintendo for me. But they're selling out. They're doing right by uh, some by by a lot of people's wishes and wants. Uh, they they get some forgiveness that I really don't understand. But but so what? Like it's awesome. Like cheers to them for for rocking it. It's just not for me anymore. And so, you know, as far as what Nintendo should do with a Switch Pro model, man, there if they're gonna do a Switch Pro, it needs to be a full evolution, not like a little uptick here and there. And they've shown no inclination to do that. Their sales for Switch haven't slowed down. They've done the light. They've got the OLED model coming out. But I have no confidence whatsoever that, that Nintendo will make a unit that is powerful. Right? I just don't see that happening. So should they go forward with it? Yes, they should. So they don't continuously get left behind. But also their games aren't demanding. So mm, maybe, maybe. <laughs> like, God, I wish I had a better answer for you. But I don't have a lot of positive feelings toward Nintendo anymore. And I'm trying to get around that. Um, that has nothing to do, mind you, with console war stuff. Like I, I really do love games in every place that I can find them. I just am disappointed by what Nintendo does for my needs. Um, so we'll see. Fuzzy also asked, uh, with the Steam Deck having uh, emulation potential like the Wii U uh, pri- prior, is Nintendo leaving money on the table? Yes, Nintendo is consistently and always leaving money on the table with their lackluster virtual console offerings. That virtual console on the original Wii was baller and amazing, and I loved it. Same with WiiWare, um, and they really floundered on support for it. And the Wii U's version of that also kind of fell short. It was strange that stuff didn't carry over. And the way they're handling it with Switch and Switch Online, not impressive at at all. Um, I do think they're leaving money on the table. They're also making money hand over fist. So cheers to them. Uh, I feel like I keep saying that, guys. It's like my phrase, and I can't stand it. Like, it's like annoying. I notice it myself. Um, Yeah, they're leaving money on the table, dude. And if Nintendo's not giving you a way to legally purchase certain games, pirating does make sense. Emulation does make sense. Um, I will always advocate purchasing a game if you're if you have the ability to. But if a game's you know 20 years old and they're finding no way for you to consistently play it on their current hardware, that's that's a frustration point for me now. It's no longer excusable. I want to play Metroid Dread, but I can't play the rest of the Metroid franchises on that Switch right now or access it even. Right? I can't play Metroid Samus Returns, the new one that they made for 3DS, unless I have both consoles. And then if I want to play Metroid or uh, Metroid Primes 1 through 3, i got to have a Wii or Wii U. Uh, If I want to play Metroid the Fusion, some of the GBA stuff, there's so many difficulties in getting to the the franchise. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, they're leaving money on the table, and I just want to play Metroids and Star Foxes, man. Good ones. (laughs) Good ones. Dano wrote in and said, Nintendo have agreed to just one of their games being on an Xbox console, not Game Pass. Phil Spencer asks you which game of theirs will forever be on Xbox. Goodness. Dano, as I tweeted to you, you chose violence when you chose this topic. Um, and my smart alecky self just wants to answer some no-name Kirby game, like Kirby's Dreamland, blah, 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 um, just to choose violence. And I tweeted out uh, asking for help on this one because i wanted to know what people thought clint coombs responded to you saying he wants the xenoblade uh, series to be on xbox with no way fans or butts he would love to see the more powerful console do doing something special with that um king arthur wrote in and said astral chain or marvel ultimate alliance 3 perhaps bravely devolt 2 um any of those will do but keep mario and zelda away mm, king arthur bold man bold 
I love Zelda. Well, I remember I love Breath of the Wild and a lot of the a lot of the Zelda games, but uh, now that Immortals Phoenix Rising exists, it does a better gameplay than Breath of the Wild. Not better lore and happiness and nostalgia, but better gameplay. Um, yeah, I don't see a lot happening with Breath of the Wild 2 in terms of evolution for gameplay, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe Link will talk. Uh, Legendary Marvel wrote in, he wanted a Zelda or Pokemon game to make its way to Xbox. That's a cool idea. My boy Famous Seamus, he said Bayonetta 2. Um, oh my gosh, Bayonetta 2 is one of the most beautiful Wii U games I've ever seen ever like without a doubt um seeing that in like 4k hdr on an oled oh yeah that would be amazing that would be amazing bayonetta 2 would be dope um i i don't have a good answer for you dano i'm gonna say i'm gonna say warrior where shake it or no wario land shake it wario land shake it i've always wanted that wario land game those 2d wario games were so good i loved them the one on back on the game boy wario land three mario land three but it was wario i love that one i love the shake it one beautiful hand-drawn art i wanted that to be available somehow some way but i don't want to do motion controls ever um a lot of those good nintendo games are trapped by motion controls they just released what skyward sword um uh yeah i'm gonna go with wario wear wario wear i want that game back yeah not wario wear wario land who knows i don't know not the mini game one not the mini game one. I want the shake it, dude. I like that one. That was fun. All right, guys. That's going to be it for me. Thank you so much for listening to episode 91 of the Xbox Expansion Pass. Always a pleasure. I've had my dog sitting on my feet this entire episode. A fire alarm kind of needed a battery change, and so she was terrified. So she's been hovering at my feet if you heard her breathing. Uh, her name's Shelby, and she's adorable and a pretty one. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You can find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost, and you can, as always, email me, insipidghost at gmail.com. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care, guys.